This is Review and Preview on WCWPSports.org. Good afternoon, folks. Welcome to Review and Preview. I am your host, Tom Scavetta. Join alongside Tommy the Mac McNamara, Jason Glickman behind the board tonight, and Kyle Russo here for the show. And, folks, we'd like to remind you all that you can always call in with your questions, thoughts, comments at our call-in number, 516-299-2030. And quick uh, factoid for you folks listening at home tonight or watching us on Facebook Live, this is our very first podcast of Review and Preview. It will be up on iTunes and Google Play. Now, let's get right into it. Well, coming fresh off a uh, unfortunate Knicks game I went to last night. Actually, the first Knicks game I ever went to, Tommy. Uh, yeah, not the best experience. They were winning most of the game and then fell apart late. But um, enough on that. Let's get to our first block tonight. Well, actually, I was thinking about you last night, Tom, when you were there. And I'm like, oh, my God. What? How were your seats? How about that? They were all right. Not were, too bad. No, not it too bad? Decent view, yeah. I saw some um, empty seats down low. I was wondering if you snuck down. Yeah. You didn't sneak down? No. Um, No. Actually, our section was pretty ratty. We had some nice fans in our section. Oh, cool. Um, MLB Hot Takes. That's our first block for tonight. Transitioning off our lovely and unfortunate Knicks right there. Um, It is official. Thor will start on opening day for the Mets. Noah Syndergaard will start. Jacob DeGrom will start the day after. Other news, it's rumored Conforto should return by May 1st. That's the target date. Um, And other than that, the Mets have not looked great in spring training. Uh, But, you know, it's the typical Mets. Um, Kyle, actually, I'll start start with you here. Um, What's your outlook on the Mets so far in this spring training? Uh, the Mets don't look so good right now in spring training, but it's it's due to injury, Tom. I mean, it's just the same Mets that we saw last year in the regular season. They just are restricted by all these injuries that are happening, whether it's uh, whether it's Swarzak with a calf, whether it's uh, DeGrom or Syndergaard hurt, uh, you know, Conforto. Now I'm pretty sure Cespedes got hurt a couple days ago too yep. with his wrist. It's just uh, this team has the talent to, to make the playoffs. It, it just if they're healthy, and that, and that's what's really killing them. 100% right there, Kyle. Now, Tommy, you're a uh, Mets fan. Yes. What are you thinking right now? I'm not overthinking. You know, I'm thinking. I'm with you. I'm not overthinking. Like, people getting all, all over Mats for not pitching well. Um, his biggest concern for as long as he's been a Met is, has been his health. So right now, he's healthy. And as, if he's healthy, he has the stuff to be a consistent pitcher. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm not really concerned, and I understand what Kyle's saying. You know, you know the injuries, the injury bug, blah blah blah. Harvey's looking decent. Um, Syndergaard's looking good. Uh, Conforto's going to come back. You know, he, he supposedly got four at bats in a minor league game today. You would hope. You would hope. Yeah. Um, there hasn't been any devastating injury thus far yet. Mm-hmm. I like Callaway so far. <laughs> you know, because uh, with the pitching staff that the Mets have. This guy coming from uh, Cleveland Indians under Terry Francona uh, th- and Dave Island, the pitching coach, I really think the Mets season is going to be based on their pitching. Yep. If their pitching is good, then they're going to be good. A lot of it leaning on uh, Matt Harvey, for sure, as the number five guy in the, in the rotation. They have Vargas at three, and then they have Lugo. Lugo and Harvey are four to, are four and five 
Uh, I don't think there's a solidified order yet, but opening day is right around the corner. Um, now, transitioning, actually, one more thought on the Mets here. Your two middle infielders, shortstop, second base, who starts opening day? Well, you got to think Cabrera's going to start short, and um, Rosario's going to start short. I mean, um, Rosario's going to be at short. Cabrera at second. Cabrera at second. Kyle? Yeah, I'd have to agree with Tommy. Jason, what what do you think? I'm going to have to go with that, too. I was going to say that. All right, clean sweep here, 4-0 sweep. Sweep, excuse me. Moving on. But Reyes is a nice backup for everybody. No, of course. And And he brings decent speed to the table. He does. And, you know, a leadoff hitter is something the Mets are still looking for. If Reyes and Wright ever get back on the field together again, that alone would just be monumental. But, Tommy? It's not looking promising for David Wright. There you go, yeah. David Wright. I had had to allude to that. Unfortunately. I mean, in my belief... He's not coming back. Yeah. He's not coming back. Moving on to the Yanks. Uh, the Yankees signed former Met Neil Walker. Now, does this resolve their problem at second base, or do you still start a guy like Liber Torres opening day and then have Walker? Or remember, preseason, like a month ago, we were talking about how the Yankees did not have enough infield insurance besides Tyler Wade. Does Neil Walker provide that insurance in the infield right now? We'll start with Kyle. I think he does, uh, Tom. I mean, this is a guy last year that was making $17 million a year because of his talent. Uh, the Yankees got him for cheap for $5 mil a year, uh, for $5 mil just uh, this year alone. And then uh, they traded for Drury, who at the time when we had our last show, they didn't uh, have him yet. So they have Drury now. They have Neil Walker. They have Tyler Wade. Uh, they got plenty of assets at their disposal. They just got to figure out which one's going to start opening day. I didn't think they needed uh, Walker, but he obviously can't hurt. Uh, andohar has been having a great spring. Yes. Um, Glaber Torres is somebody that I think they want to keep under wraps until after June, so they can, yeah. you know, uh, um, you know, not have another year of control, control of him. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but I, Neil Walker is—he's not going to hurt the team. That's that's damn sure. No, absolutely not. And I believe it's a one-year deal as well. So um, a guy like him, veteran guy, on the north side of thirty now, just above the north side of thirty. Uh, I think that's a good move for the Yankees. I'm just uh, above the north side of 32. <laughs> Thanks, Tom. <laughs> just <laughs> above. Just, Gotta just give above. the exact age. Can't give Neil Walker. I'll cut him a little bit of slack. <laughs> oh, man. All right. Well, other news uh, besides the Mets and Yankees, Zach Ranke, uh, right groin tight- tightness. Does this affect his stock heading into the season? Absolutely. I mean, you see the contract that he got paid a couple seasons back. He's supposed to be a starter uh, for opening day, but uh, luckily they got a guy like uh, Robbie Ray, who's very underrated in my opinion, had an excellent season last season. So if Granky's not back in time, I don't think the Diamondbacks should be worried because they got a guy like Robbie Ray on the roster. Mm-hmm. I don't think they should be worried at all unless it becomes a, a persistent injury or worse. Uh, you know, things happen in, in spring training. So if this lingers into June, okay, you have a problem. But as of right now, yeah, you know, just let him get healthy. Maybe hold him back a start or two, and, you know, he'll be back. Jason Glickman here in the studio, actually coming straight from ShopRite to engineer the show tonight. Now, quick question for you. We had our fantasy baseball draft. <laughs> we had our fantasy <laughs> baseball draft the other night. And if you saw, Granky dropped a little bit. He probably was taken more in our later rounds, not exactly where 
you would expect him to go. I've never been a big fan of Grinky. Uh, I think he's too uh, streaky for a pitcher, yeah. especially on a team like the Diamondbacks. It, it depends. They could be a good team one day and then a terrible team the next. Yeah. So I don't think I I didn't want to take him. Now other pitchers, Lance Lynn has been signed by the Minnesota Twins. Jake Arrieta to the Phillies, and catcher Jonathan Lucroy signed by the Athletics, Oakland Athletics. A lot of players that were unsigned the last time we had our show, and have been signed since. So. Overall, I think Arietta to the Phillies is a good move for them. Uh, short-term deal. Um, short-term, big money. Yeah. You know, you know what? I think uh, that tells me that the Phillies are in it. I mean, I really think the Phillies have really good young talent, and I think they're an underrated team in the National League. Not only in the National League East, but the National League overall. I really think that they're a team to be reckoned with. Mm-hmm. And we're going to find out. As far as uh, Lance Lynn, he he turned down a two-year, twenty million dollar from the Twins, and he took a one-year, twelve, betting on himself. Hey, good move by him. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I I think the Phillies are going to are going to be a team that's going to be underestimated this year. Now, Kyle, the only really significant free agent left or arm, I should say, that remains unsigned is Alex Cobb. Is he going to get signed by any team at some point? I think a team like the Yankees is absolutely the perfect fit. I mean, we're talking about a league that has evolved where you can't just go with your starting five. You have to have at least six on the roster, especially when the Yankees' fifth guy is Jordan Montgomery, who's not bad, but you want to have that star-caliber pitcher that Alex Cobb brings to the table. Oh, absolutely. So, you know, we've seen with baseball contracts that have been given out in the last couple weeks, the market has dropped tremendously where to the point where a guy like Moustakis hits – 35-plus home runs and only gets a one-year $6.5 million deal. Um, Misakis, he, Boris, uh, screwed, excuse me, screwed him because yeah. he could have signed the uh, one-year tender at 17.5. Yep. And he didn't. He was betting on himself, going out to get a contract, mm-hmm. and he didn't get it. Yep. He didn't get it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but as far as uh, Cobb goes, he's definitely going to get signed. Yeah. I'm not sure who his agent is. Who knows if it's uh, is it Boris? I'm not sure if it is or not. Uh, I don't. I don't know. Maybe. Probably. And if it is, and Jonathan Lucroy, that's a good signing by the A's because you know what they're going to do? They're going to trade him yeah. at the deadline. I thought that's that, what they're going to do. I thought because uh, Lucroy was lingering around on the market, you know, he was just staying there. I thought the Mets would be the perfect place for him, especially because they Me have too. that that lack of catcher ability, whether it's defense-wise, whether it's being able to catch the ball after a pitch. You, you, they have streaky catchers on the roster, and Jonathan Lucroy brings that, not star, but but more pro-level catcher to the table. And especially for what they gave him, it was uh, it was nothing. Offensively, Lucroy had an awful year last year. Yes. So that's why he lasted so long in the free agent market. But you're right, as far as you know, catching a game and being that professional presence, um, you're right. Yeah. I think he's going to get traded at the deadline. Because that's what Oakland does. That's what they always they do. They trade everybody. Oh, yeah. Yeah. All right, folks. Now, if you're just tuning in, quick reminder that we have our very first podcast tonight. You can listen to this when it's up, probably tomorrow morning for our first time. It'll take us a couple hours to get it up on iTunes or Google Play. So you can listen to our audio tracks on there. And if you want to see us in the studio... We are on Facebook Live. we got to start getting a link to uh, reach the people that aren't friends with you, Tommy. 
But uh, yeah. if you are friends with me or Tommy Mac, you can see us on Facebook Live. Now, our final thoughts here on this baseball block. Yankees now, the Twin Towers has been the catchphrase going around. Uh, Aaron Judge and Giancarlo Stanton. And I want to hear all four of our thoughts, actually. Who hits more home runs this year, Aaron Judge or Giancarlo Stanton? And by the way, Sanchez is not an answer. <laughs> Got to go with Judge or Stanton. Let's go around the horn. We'll start with Jason. And why? Stanton hits more home runs this year. And why? Because Judge was a rookie last season. Pitchers didn't really know how to pitch to him. Now he's been around the block a couple times, so they're going to know how to pitch to him, and they're going to be a little more careful around him. Stanton has been around for a while, so he knows how to adapt. I think Judge is going to go into a slump this year. That's why I didn't draft him in the, the fantasy league. Oh, yeah. Um, you know what? I'm going to go Stanton, too, for the exact reasons Jason just said. Um, they're going to get a book on Judge. And uh, plus, he's my keeper in my fantasy league. So I'm going to go with Stanton. Tommy? Now, actually, breaking news before I get to that. And actually, a couple breaking news here. Thank you, Jason and Kyle. Uh, Mets send Jason Vargas for x-rays after lefty hit in glove hand. Ah, glove hand. So he left the minor league game Friday, probably a day-to-day thing. But he is going for an x-ray and other breaking news. The Houston Astros and reigning American League MVP, P. Jose Altuve agreed to a five-year, $151 million contract extension. Wow. Whoa. Wow. Wow. Yeah, we got wows from three people except for the person who fed that to me, Kyle Russo. Listen, he's he's one of the best players in the game. So he, you're expecting that? I'm I'm expecting that type of contract. Wow. Yeah, I mean, There's what, another one. What happens to players when they get paid? He's the type of guy who, who works hard, man. I mean, he... He's been with Houston since the beginning, since they they tanked and they yeah. finally won a chip, and, and now and now they're going to continue because they just I keep on adding pieces. You're right, Kyle. I don't I don't think that'll happen to Altuve, but you know, for a lot of players, you know, once they get paid, they kind of yeah, get a little accidental, yeah. you know. I'm I'm a little hesitant about that because you see what happens, David Wright with the Mets. They paid him, and the next year he got injured. We haven't seen him since. Uh, right. Well, he had a little stint, but, right? And you look at A Rod too. He got suspended for a year after they paid him big. Now. This is all great for the Astros, I think. Uh, again, maybe a little bit of a stretch, but before before we uh, get back to that, let's get to my pick, uh, Stanton and Judge. I have Stanton on my fantasy team, but, I mean, he is new to Yankee Stadium, and I think you can basically make the argument either way that the other guy gives the other protection. And ideally, I think Stanton will hit more. But for the sake of the show, I'm going to go with Aaron Judge just to make it a little interesting here. Uh, you know, kid was a rocket last year. Technically, his full rookie season last year as a Yankee, just 25 years old. And I think having guys like Stanton, Bird, Sanchez, Didi in the lineup, I think Judge can maybe not match what he did last season, but he, I think he can still hit 40-plus. Tell you, Jason's reasoning is... The perfect reason to pick Stanton, just because of, which know, would have been my reasoning as right. well. Yeah. Oh, okay. So I'm just saying, <laughs> uh, it, it was perfect, and I, I think it, it could hold up. Also, how many times did Judge strike out last year? A lot. That's a lot. lot. I that's not going to go down. So that's no. what, that can only go up. The strikeout numbers <laughs> probably won't go down, but however, maybe learning from a veteran like Stanton can help Judge in the long run because they both have a similar game: power mentality, guys, yeah. outfielders, Tommy. Your final point, and then the break. I think the batting order is also going to um, 
be a consideration as far as who hits more homers. Three, four? Yeah. I mean, who's going to see more pitches? I don't know. I think probably Judge. Yeah. They're going to go three, four, five, Stanton, Judge. Um, Sanchez, I think but, open but, but where it's gonna, where, where's that line up? Judge We're talking about probably, opening with Judge, possibly, because that, of that how be, crazy the lineup is. That would be silly. I don't know. I, I think know. Judge is clean up right now. That would be so my Stanton guess. Three? That would be my guess, because that's so what then, they did in uh, Miami. Then I, think I think they got Judge at two right yeah, they, now. They've been betting Sanchez Judge at three, yeah. uh, Stanton at four, Didi at five. Yeah. We'll see. Now, that's a stacked lineup to, yep. be, to begin with. And we'll talk more about that next week when we get more in-depth into baseball. But for now, we're going to step aside for a quick break. When we come back, we are going to talk about Giants, Jets, Moves, NFL free agency. You're listening to Review and Preview on WCWP Sports and iTunes and Google Play for the very first time here tonight. Welcome back to Review and Preview. I'm your host, Tom Scavetta. We are jumping around here in the studio. It is St. Patrick's Day Eve here, mm-hmm. celebrating uh, the heritage of the Irish. Now, the Irish were not included in this year's NCAA tournament. We'll get to that in just a few moments. But first, got to spend some time on the NFL. So how this is going to work, guys, we're going to start with the Giants. Then we're going to transition to the Jets. Then we'll likely take a break, and then we will talk about the biggest moves in the rest of free agency. Uh, Let's get right to it. We did not have a show last week, and special day here broadcasting on Friday instead of Thursday. We'll be back to Thursday next week. So we haven't had a show in a little over two weeks now. Since then, the first big move that was done, the Alec Ogletree trade from the Rams to the Giants, and in that trade, the Giants acquired Rams middle linebacker Ogletree and a seventh-round pick. Giants gave up a fourth-round compensatory pick and a sixth-round pick. And this was an incredible move because just moments ago, the pay cut just went down. The cap hit is being reduced because they restructured his contract. So before that, I think it was an awesome move. Now I think it's even a better better. move. And he fits Betcher's defense pretty well. Yeah, Yeah. I mean, we'll see when he gets on the field, but this is – Probably the best move, one of the best moves they've made this offseason. You guys have heard um, Paul Dettino on the fan, right? Yes, yeah, I've know? heard him. And he is a diehard Giant fan junkie. I mean, he oh, is. Oh, we know. He is. And he's awesome. He's, <laughs> he's a great listen. He describes Ogletree as not the run stuffer, but the um, sideline to sideline tackler. Yeah. And that, you know what, that's a great linebacker to have, too. So, um, it, it's a great move by the Giants. It, it, it honestly is. They're not losing much with the draft pick. I mean, they already have a fourth, so the fourth that they're giving up is a compensatory and a sixth, and they're getting back a seventh. So it's really a good move. And it's a good move because I think the Giants are trying to get more veterans on the team. They're trying to get not older, but they're trying to get better and more experienced than you know having the number 2 overall pick. You can get a couple – Good quality rookies, but you don't want too many of those coming off a three and thirteen season. Yeah, they're trying to. They're in the win now situation. They're, they're they're trying to get as many good veterans as possible, and I I just love what Gettleman is doing. He he's addressing every single move that Jerry Reese should have addressed last off season. Every single move, whether it was linebacker, tackle, yeah, corner, another linebacker, right. I mean they. they 
this is this is why Jerry Reese was fired because he didn't do it and, exactly. and get him in this, addressing it. And we're going to see what the Giants put on the field this uh, season. Now the Giants so far have made some quality moves. However, when free agency started on March 14th, just two days ago, uh, they did miss out on a big player, probably the best interior lineman in the league, and Andrew Norwell. Uh, former Carolina Panther, who Gettleman was trying to bring to the Giants. He signed with Jacksonville. Pretty sure a five-year tremendous deal. Yes. 63.5, yeah. I yeah. believe. And Huge deal. He's going to be a great player for Jacksonville. Excellent. But what did Gettleman do to counteract that? He signs Nate Solder, four-year, $62 million deal, highest-paid lineman. And, Tommy, you have some thoughts on Solder and what he brings to the table. I do. I think he's a solid pickup. I don't think he's worth the um, price tag. I really don't. If you look up his accolades, like like how many years has he been a pro bowler or how many years has he been rated as a top 10, 15 tackle in the league, he's huge. Yep. That's his biggest asset. He's huge, and he's played for the Patriots. So being the big guy, which Gettleman wants, he wants to be – you know, big and strong up front. Um, don't get me wrong. I think it's a, a solid signing. I think the price tag is a great is a, signing. Yeah. I, th- I think the price tag is a little high, Tom. He does. I don't think he deserves to be the highest paid left tackle in the league. But what that signing does for the Giants is that it helps two positions. Yeah. Where if you sign Norwell, you're only helping one. Yeah. So now you can move Eric Flowers to right tackle. To right tackle. That's yeah. what they plan on doing. Yeah. Has been right. reported. Right. I mean, and he's going to compete for the right tackle, which they, they should make him compete. They shouldn't yeah. just hand it to him. So the yeah. this, this, this Solder signing is better for the Giants. I don't think he's worth the money, but they they can now help two positions. Well, you don't think anyone's one. worth the money. I do, too. To be fair. Oh, absolutely. When we Majority get to the Jets, I'm going to tell you. Well, you know, you they're know, all well, worth the here, money. Here's the thing. On Nate Solder joining the Giants, he's protected Tom Brady's blind side for quite some time. Yeah, but which Tom. Which is excellent. Which well, is excellent. Tommy, this is this is what it's like. It's like Phil Jackson in the Knicks. It, it, he, it's, he's the gift that keeps on giving. Well, same thing with Jerry Reese and the Giants. Giants could have signed Andrew Whitworth last season. He chose not to address the left tackle position. Right. Andrew Whitworth is getting paid $11 million. Now, Solder is the only left tackle right. on the market, so you have to pay him because, like oh, yeah. Tom said, you lost that on Norwell. If you lost right. that on Solder, you were probably going to be forced to either trade your pick away or draft Quentin Nelson. Yeah. Now you have the ability, which they still might, but we'll look, see. But and now you have the ability to be more lay selective off in the be in more, the draft. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. And another thing that I think you were thinking of as well, Solder was the second best offensive lineman in free agency. Yes. After Norwell, mm-hmm. not too far off, I don't think. And one other I, thing before I get to Tommy. Mm-hmm. Now, when the Jaguars signed Norwell, they couldn't re-sign their original starting left guard, Patrick Omina. Yes. He's now a New York Giant and will pro- probably be their starting left guard. So they just addressed the left side of the offensive line. Beautiful. Left tackle and left guard. And Pat Omina was a solid player for Jacksonville. He's not the bright, star-talented guy. Jacksonville wanted to keep him. They just couldn't afford to. Yeah. Pretty sure they wanted to move him to right guard after signing Norwell. They just couldn't afford to do it. So, again, what does Gettleman do? He addresses the offensive line. Now you have a solid core in Solder, Omina, and Brett Jones at center. That's yep. a solid left tackle, left guard, center combo. Uh, Tommy, what are your I just want to go back to Solder for a second. Um, 
Well, actually, not, not Solder. Uh, just to skip down a little bit. There's, there's a good possibility they're going to take Nelson. And maybe not a two, but um, trading they down. Might. Because th- this guy is sold, uh, Gettleman, that is, on having a big, huge offensive line and defensive line. So I really don't think it's out of the question that they take. No, it's not. And what that does is it gives you a projected starting five right there. Yeah. Solder, Omina, Jones, Nelson, and Flowers. Yeah. As you saw yeah. I grimaced when yeah. I said that, but I think that's his last opportunity on this team. If he doesn't put up a respectable job there, then I think it's Sia Eric Flowers. He um, might not be long for the team. Now, talking about the draft, um, the Giants signed veteran running back, former Panther Jonathan Stewart, two-year, $6.9 million deal. This is a good move in multiple ways. He's, he's older, but Stewart is confident he has a lot left in the tank. Yeah. And running behind that offensive line and change of pace guy, that can be a good receiving back as well. I think it's a great move. They didn't overpay for him. And this also increases the Giants' chances of taking Barkley because what this does is it gives you a veteran running back you can run behind. And imagine a one-two punch like that. Yeah, It wouldn't absolutely. be the best, but it would be a pretty darn good one, if no. you ask me. I thought the Stewart signing was fantastic just going back to last offseason. I was a huge fan of LeGarrette Blunt, and I thought that should have been one of the Giants' top priorities because what did they need? A power back. That's right. what Jonathan Stewart is yeah. for them. And he brings the veteran presence just in case they bring in a guy like Barkley. Right. Yeah, I was, uh, Tom will attest to this, I'm still of the opinion the Giants took a quarterback in the draft, but now what they're doing with the offensive line, in free agency, they they might be building a case now to draft Barkley at number one. I mean, number two. Yep. So th- there is a solid chance this is going to happen. And I don't think it will be the right move for the Giants, but it look, it's looking like it might go that way. I think it would be the right move. Now, that's where yeah. we defer, and we're going to have this discussion for the next five to six weeks. <laughs> um, now, another couple of signings that went under the radar for the Giants. It's very unlucky at this point they keep Pew. Very unlikely. He wants money. Uh, he wants he does, money. and I don't think the Giants are going to give it to him, uh, especially after letting Weston Richburg walk, who signed right. with the 49ers, five-year mm-hmm. deal for him. They signed under-the-radar guards in John Greco and John Jalapio, cheap guys who give you insurance uh, in the, on that second unit of the offensive line as well. Now, do I think that they're going to go out and sign another offensive lineman in free agency? Probably not. And I don't think they're going to re-sign Pew. But if they are starting to think Barkley in the draft, I don't know, maybe you try to um, negotiate something with Pew short term and then try to extend them. I don't think they're going to do that. But what do you guys think? He's a versatile player. Sorry, Kyle. No problem. He's versatile. He can play pretty much any position on the line, maybe except for center. If they can get him at a reasonable deal, absolutely. If any team can get Mm -hmm. him. At a reasonable deal. You take them. Yeah. Uh, so far, the only thing that I've been mad about with Gettleman being in the office was that he didn't put a franchise on Pew, which would have given you the ability to then trade him and get some value back because just like you said, Tom, it looks very unlikely that he will be re-signing with the Giants considering the money that he wants and what the Giants have in the cap space. Yeah, but if you franchise him, you know, whatever that number may be, as far like in what position is he going to be going to be tagged at, you might be stuck with him. You know, and then it's going to strap your uh, your salary cap. You know, like, but you still got a solid left guard. You I absolutely mean, do, but then you might not get older. 
Well, you yeah. might not get Omame and Jonathan Stewart, which is I'd take Pew over both of those guys. If right. you said I couldn't have Stewart and Omame for Pew, I would still take Pew over right. those guys. Now, other issues the Giants have addressed. We talked about the biggest concern, the offensive line up front. The Giants are addressing that right now, which I think is good. They're also cleaning up house, uh, and they're freeing up a lot of money, letting Richburg walk, potentially letting Pew walk. They released punter Brad Wing, which was an excellent move, in my opinion. Uh, he wasn't Shank very man. effective last year. Yeah, uh, John Jerry is likely going to walk. Dominique Rogers cromartie is in talks with the Redskins. He's likely done. Yep. Devon Kennard signing with the Arizona Cardinals. Uh, sorry, Detroit, Detroit Lions. Lions. Yeah. Thinking about Betcher and his defense there. <laughs> and, uh, but the, the Von Kennard, He was decent, though. He was. He was a player you probably would have liked to keep, but with the focus of the team right now, they just couldn't afford to, to keep him since right. his contract was and, up. And Richburg, he was just injury prone. Yeah. You know, because he was a solid player when he came out. Brett well, Jones is a solid guy who's probably not going to get hurt often. Yeah. Ooh. Because he played, knock on some kind well, of. No, he played in the Canadian Football League for a pretty long time. He's a little bit older. He's not. You know, he's not young. He's not like 23, 24. Yeah, right. So he has experience under his belt. Uh, the other aspect on the defensive side of the ball, the Giants have really done a lot, actually, in free agency. We talked about how Rogers Cromartie gone. Uh, Eli Apple and Janoris Jenkins, really the only two familiar faces. Um, but what the Giants did, they signed Teddy Williams, former Carolina Panther, one-year deal. They signed Curtis Riley from the Tennessee Titans, another short-term deal. And they took outside linebacker Kareem Martin from the Arizona Cardinals, who will fit Betcher's defense. Perfect. Get this, 6'6", 272 pounds. Linebacker. That's that's a DN stat right there. That's a big man. That's a huge man. What do you guys think about that move? I I love it, Tommy. And, and, you know, uh, with all this clearing cap, guys like Brandon Marshall, Dwayne Harris – Expect them to go too because they're making too much money for their undervalued performance. And I've been reading for these last couple of days, ever since uh, Honey Badger, Tyron Matthews has been released. It's been talked about that the Giants are clearing cap and that they could possibly acquire him, especially because he knows James Betch's defense. Yeah, he does. Do I think that he'd be a good fit for the locker room? That's questionable, but. In terms of fishing Betcher's defense, you're right, because he's played in that system. He has, and he's been pretty successful, if you ask me. If you clear up more money for Marshall and Harris, that would be a good signing for the Giants. Yep. Tommy, you have something to say, and you're going to disagree 100%. Well, no, well, yeah, slightly. Here we go. Uh, This is what makes the show interesting, folks. The Honey Badger also played in who else's defense? Anybody? Anybody? Todd Bowles' defense when he was a defensive coordinator for the Cardinals. I'm telling you, there's a relationship there. He's going to sign somewhere, obviously. And I think it's going to be the Jets right now, if you look on some of the websites, they're the odds-on favorite to to sign him. Mm -hmm. And he'd fit great. You know what? We'll see what happens. But Hold on. We are on the Giants right now. We'll get to the Jets in just a few moments. All right. There you go. Uh... (laughs) Now, with that five-second delay, uh, let's, <laughs> let's step aside go. for a quick break. Water up here. When we come back, reminder, you can call in with your questions tonight. Our call-in number, 516-299-2030. When we come back, 
It's the New York Jets. Sunday, bloody Sunday. I like that. You're listening to Review and Preview here on WCWPSports.org. Welcome back to Review and Preview. To leave that going for a second there. I'm your host, Tom Scavetta. Join alongside Tommy the Mac McNamara, Jason Glickman, and Kyle Russo. Folks, tonight's our very first podcast. Want to listen to it? You can listen to it eventually on iTunes and Google Play. It'll be up in just a short 24 hours from now. Guys, let's get to the New York Jets. So far, we discussed some hot takes across Major League Baseball. We talked about the New York Giants free agency, them trying to rebuild their offensive line. Now let's get to the Jets. Biggest blockbuster signing, and I'll get to Tommy Mack immediately on this one. Mm. Tremaine Johnson, five-year, $72.5 million, $15 million per year. You don't think he's getting overpaid? Uh, sl- slightly. I mean, all these players are overpaid, but that's what the market bared. You know, so I- I'm not going to um, – the Jets had a ton of money to spend, and they are spending it. And they're spending it, I think, wisely so far. This guy has been um, a solid. He was franchised two years in a row by the Rams. The Rams didn't want to do it again for a third year. And they also, you know, the Rams made their moves as far as, you know, filling those positions. So they let him hit free agency. This guy's a young corner. He's not an old man. He's not Darrell Revis, who got this type money when he came back to the Jets. So, in my opinion, I think it's a great signing and I don't know I, I I think they're spending their money wisely as they should he is guaranteed 15 million per year Kyle so yeah that's, uh, that's a lot well Tommy uh I know you're a Jets fan man but uh McCagnon's gotta go what he's yeah, gotta go I agree gotta go. I agree a Tremaine Johnson 15 million dollars a year how about this Tom Tommy okay Malcolm Butler ex-patriot Ooh, signs with the Titans right segment. He signs with the Patriots for sixty-one million dollars. So all you didn't do play in the Super the, Bowl. All, exactly. How? How? If I'm the Jets, that's how I sell you. You want to put a team that sat you in the Super Bowl two times a year? Come there's, sign a reason, with us. there's a reason he sat in the Super Bowl. He's less money because he, he's less money. Then uh, a guy like Patrick Robinson, who played for the Eagles, the other Super Bowl winning team, four years, twenty million dollars, five million dollars for a cornerback that picked off teams uh, four times. And he's a good uh, corner. Then McCown for ten million dollars, Tommy. The man is forty years old. Are, are you? What, I don't care how much of a mentor he is. He ten million dollars. And then on the Bridgewater contract, one year five million dollars. I liked it, and then I read more into it. They don't even have an option on the second year, Tom. So then, if he's good, he's going to leave the team because you don't have an option on him. I. I Crowell, what are you doing? You have Powell, you have Elijah McGuire. What are you doing? I like the Crowell signing a lot because I don't think – I think Powell's a change of pace back, and I don't know if McGuire is ready for a feature role yet, so I like the Crowell signing. Look, I like the Tremaine Johnson signing. For that much money, I agree with Tommy. Uh, maybe not the ideal $15 million per year, but it's a good signing, and it's a great signing for that secondary uh, now, they picked up options on Josh Martin and nose tackle Steve McClendon as well, but 
you're right. McCown a year for ten million, maybe ten million is a stretch. I mean, Tommy, who's you out, wanna, who's you out wanna, bidding him? Hold on, who's out bidding him? You you want to re-sign McCown for sure? I just don't know if ten million is what you wanted. No. All right, the Jets had over ninety million dollars to spend this offseason. That's another. Okay, point for and him. so it's one year, ten million. Okay, Kyle, it's one year, ten million. So at the end of this year, that ten million comes off the books. Done. See you later. No salary cap, dead money, crap. Bridgewater, one year, $5 million. If he doesn't work out, because he's coming off a devastating knee injury, they're taking a flyer on him. He's 25 years old. It's a great signing, in my opinion, for the Jets to have signed this guy. What if they catch lightning in a bottle? Okay, so then maybe they'll have to either negotiate before they have to apply a tag on him, or bye-bye, the knee's not healthy, see you later. The Jets are drafting a quarterback at number six, or if they move up, they're, they're, they're drafting a quarterback. So these two guys, who are well-renowned as locker room guys, are the perfect two quarterbacks to groom the next guy. Isaiah Kroll, he has a little bit of a background, which I don't really care for, but he's also 25 years old. And the Jets have signed him, basically, if you look at the contract close, to a one-year $4 million deal. If they release him after this year, it's a $2 million dead money deal. The guy is a solid running back. He's averaging only four yards a carry. Um, Spencer Long from the Redskins, solid. He played solid for the Redskins once their, uh, once their uh, center got hurt. He was at guard and moved to center. Avery, Avery Williamson, he's younger than Demario Davis, and he's a tackling machine. So when you see McCagnan has to go, and, oh, by the way, they got Claiborne back for one year. Another one. So they're actually signing guys, but they're also giving themselves room to have a lot of cap space next year as well. So I understand where you can question some moves, but when you say McCagnan's got to go, I don't agree. Hold on. One other signing you guys missed, inside linebacker Avery Williamson. Three years. Oh. You did say that. Right. Three years, $22.5 million. Good Great signing, signing. By McCagnan. Tackling machine. I'm not sure if McCagnan has to go. Look, and, yeah, every team is going to have players that are overpaid. Sometimes you got to bait the fish a little bit in terms of getting them to come to your team and right. then see how that translates onto the field. I don't agree or disagree with either of you here, but I see both your points and where you're coming from. I think McCagden has made some good moves this offseason for the Jets. Yeah. Um, I don't necessarily know if he has to go, though I don't understand um, Kyra Santos. Well, he was a good kicker before he got hurt. For, for Kansas City, yeah. yeah. I mean, and, and that's the problem, is that he was hurt. Yeah. I mean, so they're going to bring another kicker into camp. Look, um, Forte retires. Do we know what's happening with Quincy Inunua? Unrestricted. He's well, a restricted free agent. Plus, restricted. No, they tendered him. A, they tendered him they where did it was. They tender him. Yeah, they, did. they tendered him. Plus, here's another. Here's another two things. Avery Williamson signs a three-year deal, twenty-two point five million dollars. You know what the Saints paid for Demario Davis, who led the league in tackles last year? Three years, twenty-four million. Mm-hmm. Okay. I read a report three hours ago saying that the Jets didn't even offer him a contract. How do you not offer the guy, especially when you have so much money, who led the league in tackles? How do you not even offer him a contract? And if you read the same report I did, you did, right? Yep. You, you must have. And um, 
first of all, Avery Williamson's three years younger than Demario Davis, right? And the way the Jets play defense, they said that um, the running backs were funneled to Demario Davis, and that's why he accrued so many tackles. And Demario Davis is a liability in coverage, as is Avery Williamson. The Jets saved a little money, and they got younger at the position. Sure. So I, I really and think— with, And then with the Austin Severian Jenkins thing, another thing. The Jets didn't want to move past $4 million. I forgot who signed them, but whoever the signed them signed did. for $5 million. Right. And, and you know what? That's where I'll agree with you, Kyle. The Jets should have upped it for Safarian Jenkins because now, I mean, they have Jordan Leggett from Clemson mm-hmm. who was injured all of last year and a couple backups on their roster right now. So I'll agree with you there. Um, they, they should have upped it for Safarian Jenkins, but they shouldn't have upped it for Demario Davis. I, I don't believe they should have. They just have so much. I mean, uh, you see all these moves that they made, and they still have $50 million plus in cap. I mean, what are they going to do with that? Those are the guys they got to re-sign, especially when they helped them out last year. Okay, any final thoughts on the Jets? Because it's almost time to get in to the NFL free agency. Uh, I, I'm overall very happy with what the Jets have done so far. Now it's coming down to the draft. Will they mm-hmm. move up to get the quarterback they want? I think they should sit tight at six, not make any moves unless someone blows them away to come to six. Mm-hmm. Um, you know what? I would be happy if the Jets drafted the best best player available at number six, whether it's Bradley Chubb, if he's available, um, Quentin Nelson, yeah, and then use their two second-round picks to move up back into the end of the first round. And draft my guy, Lamar Jackson. We'll see. I think they got to. I think both. I think they got to move up because if you look at some mock drafts the way they stated, the Colts have already said they really don't want to keep their pick. Mm-hmm. What does that mean? Every quarterback team that needs a quarterback is going to move up. Right. And you know some mock drafts, Cleveland number one overall, Sam Darnold, Josh Rosen, Giants number two, uh, whoever moves up at number three is probably going to take a quarterback. And then Broncos, even though signing Case Keenum, you only signed him for two years, you got to draft a quarterback. Then where does that leave the Jets at six? And that's why they got to move up. Right. Now, we all have our opinions on this, and we'll get more to the draft. As the draft is lurking, it is next month. Guys, NFL free agency, we're going to go over some of the key signature moves for NFL teams alphabetically uh, as free agency has been underway for over 48 hours now. Uh, let's start with the Buffalo Bills. A.J. McCarron signed two years, $10 million. Remember, they shipped Tyrod Taylor to the Cleveland Browns. Um, McCarron's projected to start at this time. A.J. McCarron, two years, $10 Great story out of Alabama. Another guy uh, coming over from Washington, Trent Murphy. Fantastic signing. Three years, $21 Defensive end out of the Redskins. Defensive end, offensive linebacker type type of guy. I've always liked him. he was one of the best linebackers in yeah. the league until he, you know, he was out last year with the torn ACL. I mean, uh, bad free agency timing. He was a guy who was probably going to request ten plus million dollars because of the talent that he brought to the Redskins. Now he's a very good player, and I think AJ McCarron has now finally is now is finally going to get his chance to start. Even though I think the Bills are going to probably try and get a quarterback in the draft, I think he'll be the starter um, for the season. Which you know what, this guy deserves it. Remember one thing, guys. The Bills made the playoffs last year. And with the playoffs, most teams have good defenses in the playoffs. Mm -hmm. Look at what the Bills are doing. Not just Murphy. Star Latule, five years, $50 defensive tackle position. 
They address that need, and they re-sign longtime 12-year vet Kyle Williams, one-year, $6 million deal. That guy's a stud in the middle. He's a stud in the middle, that guy. Very good. I like it. I like it a lot. Yeah, they've replaced, um, uh, what what was his name? Um, Darius. Marcel Darius. Marcel Darius, yeah. They lost him to Jacksonville. Right. Yeah, but but Tom, they're weakening their O-line. That's what I don't like. Uh, defense wins champion, but they're weakening the O-line. Cordy Glenn was a left tackle. He's yeah. one of the best left tackles in the league. But th- they traded him sure. in exchange for the 12th pick for the 12th overall. Pick. Well, they did get a good pick. And didn't Eric Wood retire? Pretty sure and he Eric did. Wood Eric was forced Wood. to retire with a neck injury. Yeah, which is a shame. Yep. Uh, moving on to the Carolina Panthers. Uh, Torrey Smith from the Eagles via the trade that they got. Uh, Julius Peppers resigns one year, five million. The guy just won't retire. <laughs> and Don Terry Poe, that's a great sign. Wow, that's a great sign. Three years, twenty-seven million dollar deal. And then they tried signing Bashad Breeland, but he failed his physical. Yikes! Second Redskin guy. Uh, the first one oh was uh, Ryan Grant. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Julius Peppers, as long as they're gonna, as, as long, long as, as he keeps on paid, playing like that, yeah, someone's willing to pay him. He's gonna play, and you know what? He's he had a great year last year. Right, yeah. And, you know, losing Norwell was huge for Carolina. They lost Stewart. They lost Teddy Williams. Three guys they all lost to the Giants. <laughs> I'm sorry, Norwell guys, to Jacksonville. Guys, yeah. yeah. Don't get too ahead of myself. The Arizona Cardinals, two quarterbacks, Sam Bradford, Mike Lennon. What, huh. do, what do you think of this move? Uh, or these moves, I should say. Sam Bradford, something about him. Something just screams money, even when there's no... Yeah, performance there. I'm pretty sure the guy's accumulated over 130 million dollars. Yeah, and, and you've seen his career. What has he done? 20 million dollars. Right. And what he's done? Tampa Bay, Chicago. I think it was yeah. Eric Weddle that put something on social media. And yeah. here comes uh, yeah. Sam Bradford to the Cardinals and yep. in a wheelchair. Yeah. I mean, it's. I, I think that signing is crazy. Personally, I think the Cardinals should have signed McCarron. Right. Yeah. They uh, should have. I, I, given. Sam Bradford, $20 million yeah. is ridiculous, absolutely ridiculous. Now, a couple teams that have gone under the radar, Falcons and the Ravens signing a couple of interior linemen. Falcons get Brandon Fusco from the Vikings, three years, $12.75 million. And the Ravens get James Hurst, four years, $17.5 million. Um, now, moving on to the Chicago Bears, uh, they get Chase Daniel, two years, $10 million. But a couple of the signings that I really want to go over here, Allen Robinson and Taylor Gabriel, improving the wide receiver corps. Uh, Robinson, three years, $42 million, trying to resurrect his career with Chicago. And Taylor Gabriel, four years, $26 million. Not bad. See, that was, that was one of those things, obviously, when I was going to the Jets. I, I might have been going a little too hard saying McCagnan should be fired. But you look at the Robinson signing and you say – he obviously doesn't care about the winning because you just signed with the team who's in the same division as Kirk Cousins Vikings, Super Bowl heavy right now, Aaron Rodgers, and Detroit Lions who are always good. So he doesn't care about winning. It's all about the money. Why couldn't they give him that money? That's why I was going hard at the Jets. Well, but back to Chicago, Taylor Gabriel, excellent, excellent acquisition for the money. They paid him to, uh, last year. He was fantastic for the Falcons. Yeah, This year he kind of had a slow year, but... We've seen what the, he could do. The Allen Robinson signing, um, three years, forty-two million. I think that's I think like, what is that, thirteen, something like that. Yeah, thirteen and a half. That's excessive based on his injury from last year. A little bit. Yeah, <laughs> I, I think that's 
you know, a, a little risky, but uh, if receivers. Yeah, I mean, you never know. Wait, I'm not mad. I'm yeah. not mad at it. You know, let the guy oh, get paid. Let yeah, the guy but, get paid. And don't, and don't forget, they also signed tight end Trey Burton from the Philadelphia Eagles, four years, thirty-two million dollar deal. I think that's overpaying him a little bit. But the Chicago special. Yeah, the Chicago he, yeah, he can special. Throw a pass. Yeah, there you go. Uh, <laughs> Prince Amukamara, three years. Twenty-seven million, trying to improve their secondary. Yep. Uh, they signed Cody Parkey and Pat O'Donnell, a couple of special teams guys under the radar. Now Jeez, the, the punter five million dollars, or is it one point five? One point five oh. for one year. <laughs> okay, my eyes <laughs> that are going. That is Pat O'Donnell. <laughs> Woo, I was the say. Detroit Lions, uh, really the only major signing we're going to discuss. The Von Kennard, three years, eighteen point seven five million overall. That's a good signing for the Lions. They need to improve their front seven defensively. Yes. Um, you know, defensively has been the issue for them. And Stafford trying to get back to the playoffs this year in that competitive NFC North. Speaking of the NFC North, Green Bay. Yeah. They get the Sean Kaiser. They get Jimmy Graham on a three-year, $30 million deal. Uh, new toy for Aaron Rodgers. Remember, no more Martellus Bennett, no more Jordy Nelson, who signed with the Raiders. And they get Muhammad Wilkerson on a one-year, $5 million deal. I like the Graham signing. And I like the Wilkerson signing short-term for Green Bay. What do you guys short-term, think Short-term, it's great um, for the Packers because that guy needs to re- you know, rejuvenate himself. He, need, he needs yeah. a little kick in the butt. So this might do it for him. Um, I think it's a great move for Deshaun Kaiser, too. Yeah. You know, he can sit back, relax, play, against, uh, uh, play behind you know, a Hall of Famer. You know, learn the craft a little better than because you know, who was he learning behind? Uh, and Jimmy Graham, great move great. for the Packers. Yeah, agreed. Great move. And you know what? It, the Packers—they didn't spend much on Wilkerson. No, five million. Five million. That's a great. That's a great signing. It's all upside. Now Jacksonville. What really surprised me was Marquise Lee. Yeah, forty million. Four, four years, thirty-four million. Oh, thirty-four. Yeah, yeah, and. That's... Look, they also signed, they went out and they got Moncrief, Safarian Jenkins, and Niles Paul after losing A-Rob. So, I mean, they're trying to bolster offensively, help Bortles out a little bit. I mean, the offense we know is revolved around Leonard Fournette mm-hmm. uh, moving forward. And signing Norwell up front pretty much certifies that moving forward. But overall, I think good, um, serviceable players, weapons yeah. offensively for them. They're going to regret that lease signing. Four years, 34? I'm, I'm with you on that. Yeah, they're going to regret that signing. Too too much. Look at Kansas City going out and getting Sammy Watkins. They're going to regret that one, too. Three years, $48 million. Ugh. There's a lot of guaranteed money in that, too. For a, the one for an injury prone. Yeah. The it's one signing I did like that they made, though, was Anthony Hitchens. That was a good one. That was a good one. Five years, $45 million over from Dallas. Mm-hmm. Good move for them. Uh Chargers haven't done much, the exception of Virgil Green re-signing. The Rams, Akeem Tlaib and Marcus Peters. I didn't get it because when they first traded Ogletree, I thought it was to get rid of Cap, and then you sign a guy like Akeem Tlaib who's older than Ogletree, and plus he's making more money than Ogletree this year. I don't know. So I I don't know what their plan is, but uh, Wade Phillips has never failed. Not for nothing. Those are two head cases. Yeah, that's a fact. And that could be an issue. I mean, uh, McVeigh may know how to handle these guys. Hopefully he does because those two are two head cases. Imagine them in the L.A. environment. McVeigh is yeah. younger than, like, five to ten players on the team. He's, like, 35. <laughs> yeah. 
30, 30, there's only 32. Like 32. 32. Yeah, wow. yep. Now the Miami Dolphins. Now a couple of a few signings <laughs> that I kind of like here. Um, first of all, the trade for Robert Quinn. That's a good one. Yeah. That's a great one. The trade for Robert Quinn. And look what they're doing. They're improving their offensive line. They traded for Daniel Kilgore from the 49ers. Yeah. Who can, if they don't re-sign Pouncey, which it doesn't look like it. Well, they released him. They released him. Right. Well, they did release him. Excuse me. Kilgore can slide in at center, and they just signed Josh Sitton. That was a great one. And only for two years, $15 from Chicago. Yeah. I like that. Danny Amendola. Fantastic. And Albert Wilson from Kansas City. That's a good one. So, overall, they're making moves. Now, this is going to be the team we're going to spend a little bit of time on. The Minnesota Vikings. All in. All in. Now, before we get to Kirk Cousins, they did get Trevor Simeon via trade from the Broncos for uh, the Case Keenum move. But Kirk Cousins, three years, $84 million. Guaranteed. Guaranteed money. And as Tommy says, for a quarterback who has a losing record as a starter. 26-30-1. The number one free agent, though, on the market. You know, what it, you know what it is, Tommy? It's just when does a guy 29 years old in the prime of his quarterback career ever become available? doesn't happen. Look, Adam Thielen. He's available Kyle for a Rudolph, reason, though. Stephon Diggs, he's, he's throwing to these guys now. You know what? I think Minnesota's taking a... I mean, let's see how they are on the field chemistry-wise. Case Keenum worked well. Remember, Pat Shermer's not there anymore. So right. let's see if that offense can maintain what they did last year or succeed that. Yeah. Can Kirk Cousins bring this offense to new heights? It's possible. Can the offense get worse? It's, it's There's a chance. It's definitely possible. Um, first off, I am thrilled that the Jets did not throw crazy money at Kirk Cousins. I am so happy. We've we talked about it the last show. I am thrilled. Let let him go to the Minnesota Vikings. But I'm also a slight admirer now of Kirk Cousins because during Super Bowl week he was interviewed by a lot of um radio shows and he said his sure first was. priority was to win. Yeah. He he said money wasn't going to be the biggest factor in where he signs. Right. So I'll give him a lot of credit for taking the best opportunity to win. Now, my thing is this. Can Kirk Cousins make the Minnesota Vikings the class of the NFC North? Absolutely, without a doubt. I mean, Over back, Aaron to the, Rodgers. back to the losing record. Wow. Look Back to the losing record with the Redskins. Who did he have to throw to? I mean, think about it. You look at yeah, the people he has right. to throw to now. Each one of those guys is better than anybody that Kirk Cousins with the Redskins for the past four years has had to throw to. But quarterbacks get judged now on wins and losses. You know what I mean? And sure do. They yeah. do. They get, they get judged. On, I mean, not that it's always the quarterback's fault, but they get judged on wins and losses. And he has a losing record. Guys, it is now the top of the hour, so we are going to take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to have our team of the week, and then we'll finish up NFL free agency. You're listening to Review and Preview here on WCWPSports.org. Take it slow, but it's not typical. Good evening, folks. It is the top of the hour. Welcome back to Review and Preview. I am your host, Tom Scavetta, joined alongside my co-host, Tommy the Mac McNamara, Kyle Russo, and Jason Glickman running the board here tonight. 
We just found out we broadcast this show. Well, you guys know we broadcast this show here on the LIU Post campus, and we just found out the baseball team has a doubleheader tomorrow Ooh. on St. Patrick's Day. Home? Home. Oh, it's going to be cold. Here on the LIU Post campus in the oh. tundra over down at the LIU Post baseball field. Um, folks, we were just discussing NFL free agency, and if you'd like, you can always call in with your thoughts, comments, questions at our call-in number, 516-299-2030. We will get back to NFL free agency in just a moment, but first, my favorite segment of the week, Team of the Week. Tommy just whispered to me that he's last, so I'll start. How about that? My Team of the Week, the Portland Trailblazers, third in the Western Conference, 11-game winning streak, 42-26. and Man, this team is so underrated, under the radar. Nobody's talking about them in the West. Well, you got to start now. 11-game winning streak, that's pretty impressive. Thanks to guys, Damian Lillard, C.J. McCollum. Nurkic is playing well all across the board. Mo Harkless, Pat Connaughton, the Golden Domer. Got to plug him in. Port- Portland is my team of the week. Kyle? Uh, I'm going to go with the uh, Buffalo Bulls beating Arizona. Good pick. It was a top seed. Uh, beat DeAndre Eaton, who's probably the number one overall pick in this year's draft, and absolutely obliterated him. The game wasn't even close. I'm pretty sure the final score was like 86 to 69. So it wasn't even like it was competition. My team of the week, Buffalo Bulls. Manhandled. Not only yeah. did they beat Arizona, they also beat about 50% of brackets out there. <laughs> there you go. Oh, yeah. Oh, Jason with the plug in. All right. Jason, actually, do you have a team of the week? I would go hockey here. I would say the New Jersey Devils. They came in and they. They took a road trip. They beat the number one and the number two team in the West. They beat the Nashville Predators, and they destroyed the Vegas Golden Knights. So I'm going to have to go with them Tommy. on the road. All right. Well, my team. I like that. Tom, you might be surprised at this one. When am I not surprised at you? Okay. This one's going to be, this one's going to be shocking. This actually. is one to write down. Yeah. This one, this one you might want to grab a pen for. Yep. Yep. This team right here is setting themselves up to get the most ping pong balls in the NBA draft. My team of the week are the Memphis Grizzlies. They have lost 19 in a row and counting. So they are doing themselves either a disservice or a favor. You, so, you, you realize this is a live show, right? I'm aware. Yeah, yeah. Right? I, oh, okay. I, I, told Kyle. I, 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 I just wanted to make sure. You picked <laughs> I your, your team of the week is on a 19-game losing streak. Yes, it is. Because <laughs> they're doing themselves a favor for the following year. You know what? When we come back next week, they might be on like a 25-game losing streak. DeAndre yeah. Eaton, insight. DeAndre Eaton. Oh, my. Could be the next Memphis Grizzlies. Oh, my. There you go. Now, remember this, like two to three years down the line when we're still doing our Team of the Week segment, hopefully. Mm-hmm. Thinking back and be like, remember that time Tommy picked the 19-game losing streak <laughs> Memphis Grizzlies on March 16th, 2018, as his Team of the Week? All That's my Team of, of the Week. have our Team of the Weeks in. You know uh, what? When I heard that this morning, I'm like, "That's gonna be my team of the week." Yeah, so just, uh, it wasn't my uh, initial. Like, it wasn't my last. Put me thought. on edge a little bit, right? Transitioning into yes. the New England Patriots here. I wanted to. I wanted to shake you up a little bit, Tommy. Uh, that trade with the Browns, bringing over Danny Shelton, Jason McCourty is back. They re-signed Nate Ebner, Rex Burkhead as well. Three years, nine point seven five million. Exception of that trade of the Browns, they lost Nate Solder. Uh, you know, lost a couple of key players offensively, Danny Amendola as well. So, New England, are they on the decline? Yes, because now you have nobody protecting Tom Brady's blindside. Deion Lewis is gone. 
Malcolm Butler, I don't care. Sick did something wrong. He was your best corner on your roster, and you didn't play him. It's a lot to lose and replace. On top of that, you lose Matt Patricia, your defensive coordinator. Tommy, I, I don't want to. I want. I want to hear your Jet fan mentality response on this one. I don't think they're on the decline uh, because the two Bs are there, uh, Brady and Belichick, and they always find a way to fill in every single hole. So I, they might just be in the salary cap salary cap situation where they couldn't have signed all those guys. You know what? I'll believe it when I see it. I'll never say that the Patriots are declining or. Or anything until it actually happens. So that that's just my feeling about the Patriots. Now they're they're, uh, they're not on the decline at all yet. Drew Brees. What's your what's your feeling about that? About just the Patriots. About to talk about Drew 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 Brees here Sorry. resigning with the Saints. But anyway, yeah, no, I'll go back to the Patriots. I agree with you 100. percent They're not on the decline. Maybe they won't win 13 games next year. But I mean, overall. I don't think New England's going anywhere until one of those two is gone. Um, they may both go out the same year at this point. Who knows? I would think but, it would be Belichick first to go, and then it would they they go on the decline. And this just in, the Baltimore Ravens, who we talked about moments ago, who are pretty quiet, not anymore. Michael Crabtree, who was just released yesterday, signs with the Ravens, three-year contract. So talk about a team going under the, under the radar not so more, says John Harbaugh. Crabtree, ink it. Three years. Good deal for them. Good deal for Crabtree. Love it. And we were talking about the New Orleans Saints, just about to get into them. Drew Brees re-signs two years, $50 million. I think that's well-deserved. Um, you know, probably the last two years of his NFL career, potentially. Um, in addition to that, they get Demario Davis from the Jets. I know Tommy's not happy about that. Three years, no, twenty-four million. It. You're fine. I'm fine with it. Sure. Yep, I'm fine because the Jets signed Avery, Avery Williamson for less money, and he's three years younger. So, I would have liked to have kept him, but I'm fine with it. Demario Davis to the Saints. Uh, they just got a fantastic GM because everybody that they signed, they signed for cheap for excellent, excellent right. performances last season. Not only did they sign Demario Davis, but Patrick Robinson. He's back too. He's back too. They drafted him. Pretty sure twenty. Four. Four years, $20 million. Yeah, four years, $20 million, $5 million a year. It's a fantastic and signing. Other teams were beginning to look at him. So yeah. that's and a good signing. Another thing, too, I mean, this was really, like, fast uh, when the free agency opened up. The Vikings reached out to Drew Brees' uh, representatives to see if there was any interest. Right. I didn't think there was any way uh, he would leave the Saints, but, you know, it was interesting that somebody else reached out. Now, we're going to go through the Giants and Jets quick. We talk, we talked about them earlier in the show. Inkit, Jonathan Stewart, two years, $6.9 million. Nate Solder, four years, $62 million. Patrick Omina signs Ogletree with a trade from the Rams. Kareem Martin, we all love that signing for the Giants. Three years, $15 million from the Cardinals. Fitzpatrick's defense. Teddy Williams from the Panthers signs to a one-year deal. They get Curtis Riley from the Titans. Mark Herzlick re-signs as well. Locker room voice. He'll compete for a roster spot next year. The Jets, McCown and Bridgewater, Income Down, Isaiah Crowell, we discussed three years, $12 million. Spencer Long, under-the-radar guy, agrees to a deal with the Jets. Your two favorite signings to this point, well, two of your favorite signings, Avery Williamson, Tremaine Johnson, mm-hmm. Claiborne re-signs, and you get safety Terrence Brooks and kicker Cairo Santos. I, Any final thoughts on those Jets? Again, we'll do it again. I cannot... 
uh, disagree with any of the signings except for maybe the kicker. Um, I think the Jets have done a great job. Um, have some breaking the, news for you once once you finish that. Okay, I don't think the Jets have done. I, I mean, I think the Jets have done a great job this off season so far. I don't. It's not over. We have pre agency still. Just there. started, Tommy. <laughs> yep, just started. Just started. and with the draft coming up, I love all the moves they've made so far. One move just in for the for the New York Jets, and I think you'll be a fan of this one. Defensive lineman Mike Pinnell, three years, twelve million. That's a good one. That's a lot of money for a. Uh, Tommy, they got the cap. For a run stuffer, though. They got the cap. I know they have the cap. Nine, $90 million, 10 of that going to I understand. 10 of that, that going guy... to McCown. don't know why, but 10 of it went to McCown. <laughs> I... Tommy's trying not to say that. The... <laughs> trying not you, to backtrack time, here. They still got another I'm not backtracking million. at all. I'm not, no, McCown, no, I'll, I'm, I'm good with him. One year, $10 million. But Pinnell, he's a run stuffer. He's not like a he's not a three-down lineman. Right. Um, but you know what? I'm sure the way the Jets structure contracts, they can get out of it. Right, you know, after a year or maybe two, he's he's solid. You know, yeah. he, he came from the Packers uh, initially. Uh, I'll take it. I mean, it's it's not awful. Now, Four million a year. Moving million. on from Pinnell, the Oakland Raiders, Doug Martin, Jordy Nelson. Wow. I don't know about. I don't. I don't know about. I don't know about what their GM is doing because I, I think Crabtree was fire the better up. Kyle getting no, a little older. <laughs> not that, getting a little not older. Not that bad, Tommy. You know, but. So why would you try to get even older than you already were? I mean, Crabtree, I think, yeah. obviously Jordy Nelson is Jordy Nelson, but I still think Crabtree was the better option to keep him. And Doug Martin, what's the point of having him when you already have Marshawn? Do you think money played a factor in that decision to dump Crabtree and get Nelson? Most He's like, a younger player, though. And most yeah, but you just said did. Nelson is Nelson, right? So, And you still have Amari Cooper. You know what I'm saying? He hasn't been good, though, Tom. Yeah, but he's still young and has yes, time that's to true, break out again like he did a couple of years ago. Who's that? Amari Cooper. Amari Cooper. Oh, absolutely. Amari Cooper wasn't leaving. I think, I agree with Kyle. I think Crabtree should have stayed. And Jordy Nelson, uh, they, they should have kept all three, you know, right. in, in the perfect scenario. Jordy Nelson's injury prone. You know, he, he's been hurt a lot. Yeah. yeah. So I, I would I would have kept Crabtree and let Jordy Nelson go to wherever else. All right, let's get through these last couple oh, teams. Oh, sorry, the muscle hamster, Doug Martin. Sorry, Tom. Um, I don't think that's a great signing. I, I think he's going to sit behind Marshawn Lynch and not be productive at all. I think it's a waste of money, that guy. Go ahead. Again, don't know until they get on the field, for sure. Um, Philadelphia Eagles, they get Michael Bennett on the trade. They sign Haloti Nata, inside linebackers, Corey Nelson and Nigel Bradham. Five years, $40 million for Bradham. In addition to getting Bennett and Nada on that defensive line, to an already pretty stout Eagles defense, win the Super Bowl and still have one of the best free agencies. Yeah, yeah. So it seems like they're loading up. Yep. Steelers haven't done much. The 49ers signed McKinnon, four years, thirty million, for their backfield after um, Hyde going to the Browns. They sign Giants center Weston Richburg, five years, forty-seven point five million. Uh, good addition to that offensive line after trading Kilgore. If yeah. he can stay healthy. Um, Brock Coyle signs three years, $8.5 million. Good uh, serviceable linebacker. And the big news, Richard Sherman, three years, $21.15 million. Supposedly, he negotiated his own deal. and So he says. So he says. And the, the word around the league is that he was crazy to do that because he only got a $3 million signing bonus. Yeah, um, 
but I think the McKinnon deal, I think that was a lot of money. Yeah. For no, a guy you're right. that you know, is he a starter? Well, he is now, based on that money. <laughs> uh, I believe completely about Richard Sherman negotiating that contract because if he had a, if he had an agent, there's no way that Richard Sherman would be getting less than ten million, uh, ten million dollars a year. Because that that that's a joke, and I mean there was tweets from all over the NFL from players saying that he could have gotten so much more. But you know what? I think it's part. And Richard Sherman said, "I get to play my ex team two times a year. Right. So if it's that's also, what I got to sacrifice, let me do that." It's also part of his injuries. He has that's true. Coming off a torn ACL and his no uh, Achilles. Yeah, and his other Achilles is like hanging on a thread. <laughs> so I think that's part of it. Four teams left to go. And we just recapped Sherman and the 49ers and the rest of NFL free agency tonight here, folks. Uh, Seattle Seahawks, they lose Graham. They get Ed Dixon. Clear downgrade, but Dixon, serviceable tight end for Russell Wilson. Other than that, Seattle hasn't done much. They did get Barcavius Mingo, outside linebacker. Again, under the radar. Bucks re-signed Fitzpatrick. Cameron Brait. Six years, $41 million at tight end. That's I don't understand that at all. That's no, not good. Uh, Buccaneers trying to work on their defense. They signed Brett Grimes, the one-year $7 million deal. Defensive line, again, more serviceable guys. Bo Allen, Mitch Unrein, Will Clark. Bo Allen, former backup for the Eagles, three years, $15 million. It's all right. I mean, we saw rotationally he'd come in on second or third down at times. Make a couple of good plays here and there. Other than that, um, not much cooking for Tampa Bay. Yep. Tennessee, Deion Lewis. Like Four it. years, $20 million. Another toy to decoy there if you're Marcus Mariota. Derrick Henry and Deion Lewis in the backfield now. What do you think? I think that's a decent signing by the Titans, uh, especially if Lewis can remain healthy because he had an ACL injury himself. Yeah. I, I, th- I think it's a good one, and that could be a dynamic duo. Mm-hmm. You know, It could be. But I like the other signing of the um, the guard Klein, Josh Klein. Yeah, I, I, I like that a lot, and especially Malcolm Butler. Five uh, years, sixty-one million. That's a lot of money. But like Kyle was saying earlier, um, I mean, I would rather Tremaine Johnson, but for Malcolm Butler and the Titans, I think that's a good mm-hmm. deal. Now the last team, Redskins. Remember the trade back, Alex Smith from the Chiefs. They signed Paul Richardson, five years, $40 million. Zach Brown re-signs, one of the leading tacklers in the NFL. Dustin Hopkins re-signs. And, Tommy, you have something here on Washington you want to bring Paul Richardson's up. money is ridiculous. I don't think Tell me deserves, about it. I don't think he deserves that money whatsoever. Um, where I mean, look up his career stats. Why is he getting paid that much money? No clue. It's because it's the, the Washington Redskins, Redskins. Right. They, they give crazy – why did they give Alex Smith all that money? I mean, it's the market. No, no, it's the it's the Redskins. Trust yeah. me, <laughs> it is. Um, You're not ownership, wrong. The ownership there is nuts. Uh, Richardson doesn't deserve that money, and neither um, does Alex Smith. I, I, I just don't see it. Now, we went through all the teams, but there's still some free agents on the market. We know Sheldon Richardson signed Inc. the one-year deal with the Vikings. Former Jet, former Seahawk. And best available free agents. Remember, Dominic Sue got released by the Dolphins. Teren Matthew is available. The Honey Badger. Don't forget Kyle Fuller. Oh, Kyle Fuller signed. He did sign. He That's right. They, the Bears have five days the to Bears, match. The Bears are trying to match that deal now with Green Bay. Yes. Mm-hmm. 
Green Bay or Chicago for Kyle Fuller? Green Bay. Chicago likely won't match that deal. Now, don't forget um, Ryan Jensen, offensive lineman out there that plenty of teams could be looking at. The Jets could use a guy like Jensen. Well, they just signed uh, the center from Washington. Well, he could also play left guard, I've heard. Right. Uh, well, Jensen. We have Carpenter, but the Jets can release Carpenter and save $4.8 million. You guys sign, uh, you're talking about Will Montgomery? Mm. Said the Jets sign a center from Washington. Yeah. Oh, Stephen Long. Yeah. Yes, Long. We just discussed that. And Long, like I said, under the radar signing that you know a lot of players are, a lot of teams are looking at. Terrell Pryor still out there. Justin Pugh still out there. Awful. Eric Ebron, Kenny Vaccaro still out there. Morgan Burnett as Tommy, yeah, looking at Paul Richardson's stats. Not really feeling that deal. But any final thoughts on NFL free agency and where some of these top players might go? I think the odds-on favorite to land the Honey Badger, from what I've read, and don't call me a homer. The Jets. The Jets. Uh, but he's rumored to go to a lot of different places. Homer. Which, okay, I'm a homer. <laughs> You're right. Okay. Then again, most people are. Right. So, You're right. So realistically, uh, as far as the other free agents, mm, you know what? Not really. I, I don't uh, have a feeling either way. And Dominican Sue. I mean, it's it's rumored if he goes. Listen, he goes the to the Saints. Saints. The way that they bolstered up that defense on top of what they already had from last season, that's 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 a defense right there. And plus, he's visiting with the Titans this weekend, so that's another thing bolstering up their defense. He's not very get, interested. He's not going to get the money that he got. Don't with the tit- count uh, out the Titans or the Seahawks. They're also interested in Sue. So, with that being said, we're going to st- uh, step aside for a quick break. Can't find the words tonight at times. We, we got we we got a lot going on here on review and preview. Uh, yes, sir. Lot to go over. When we come back, it's March Madness time. Is your bracket busted? Yep. We'll find out. All right. You're listening to Review and Preview here on WCWP Sports. All right. Welcome back to Review and Preview. It is March Madness time. We got through baseball. NFL free agency, it is time to go over March Madness. This game live right now, 18 seconds left in the game. Number 10, Texas, out of the South region, leads number 7, Nevada, 68-67. Kerwin Roach the second at the line for Texas. Can they pull off this upset? Well, I got Texas in my bracket. Let's see if they can pull this one out. And, guys, as Texas is... Still up by one. Nevada has the ball. Let's see if Nevada can knock down this final shot with 10 seconds left. Now, is your bracket busted yet, guys? Not completely, Tom. Not completely. Arizona took a lot of blows to a lot of brackets around the country, but I only had him going to the uh, Sweet 16. So, not yet. Not yet. Where did you guys have Arizona? I I, had them in my Final Four, I'll admit. I did, too. Uh, Thankfully, and I was almost talked into... By some CBS Sports guy putting them into the finals, but I didn't. I put them into um, the final four, but not the final two. Now, so that was disappointing. It really up, was. An update on this Texas game. Mo Bamba has just fouled out. Nevada is at the line down by one with 3.8 seconds left. Oh. So we'll keep a close eye on that game. For me, 
I was going strong yesterday. I got every game right until the Seton Hall-NC State game. Now, I switched that game at the very last second. I had Seton Hall, and then I talked to our good buddy, uh, center on the LIU Post Pioneers, Kyle Doucette. Uh, LIU Post actually played Seton Hall, D2, D1 game this year. Seton Hall won the game. and um, I took Seton Hall based on their seniors. They haven't won. Um, it's been a uh, rough go for that group of players. Yeah. So I was like, you know what? They need to at least win one game before they leave. Well, let's get to the first game of the tournament as uh, Nevada and Texas still in progress here. The first game, Rhode Island, Oklahoma. Arguably, Oklahoma should not have been in in the tournament. No. Only only reason why they were in was because of Trey Young. Look, a lot of tournament snubs. You can talk about USC, Notre Dame, Louisville, all snubbed. Louisville, you probably think because of the scandal situation. My thing is this. How does Syracuse and Oklahoma and Arizona State get in over teams like USC and Notre Dame? How about teams like Oklahoma State, Tom? I mean, Oklahoma State beat Oklahoma two times this year. And my thing is this. Notre Dame, without Bonzi Colson, for eight weeks, Notre Dame was 14-4 and with Bonzi Colson in the lineup. Remember, they lost Farrell, senior point guard, senior point guard for five games as well. And looking at what Notre Dame's going to do, they're likely to win the the NIT tournament. Notre Dame should be in this field. Syracuse should not be in this field. There's Sy- a couple teams that shouldn't be in the field. Syracuse yeah. lost in the second round. Notre Dame beat Virginia Tech, an NCAA team, in the NCAA tournament. Jason? <laughs> yes. Yeah. I'm looking at you. Why is Notre Dame not in this tournament over teams like Syracuse or Oklahoma? I do not know. I think that Notre Dame deserves to be in over Oklahoma, but the, the committee just said that Oklahoma had the harder schedule, and they came out on top. Yeah. So I well, don't agree with that. Granted, but they do play in the Big 12. They were in the tournament because of Trey Young. Yep. And for his, publicity, and, for and ratings. His, yeah. And his superstar. The reason why they're not no longer in the tournament is because of Trey Young. Yeah. Because, first of all, Oklahoma should have lost that game at the end of regulation. regulation. Yeah. That guy should um, should have put the put back up. But then Trey Young, in overtime, is taking shots from... The logo. Right. Two, yep. two of them, back to back. So he's the reason why they're out. So he's the reason why they're in. Yeah. But no, he's the reason Re- why they're reason out Reason why now. they yeah. got in, reason why they've been eliminated. And I had Rhode Island. I don't know about you guys. I had Oklahoma. You had Oklahoma. Tommy had Rhode Island. Jason, you had Rhode Island. I had Rhode Island. Now, you and I are in the same bracket uh, group with our friends here at the station. And we had a pretty successful day one. Let's go over some of the other games in day one. So number seven, Rhode Island, beat number 10, Oklahoma, in overtime. Duke took care of business against Iona. Um, Look, Iona representing New York, Westchester County, uh, winning their conference title. But overall, uh, I was happy with the result, Duke defeating Iona. I know John Wasserman, who engineers our show at times, wanted Iona to win. He actually went up to school at Iona for two years. Oh, wow. Yeah, so the two seed Duke, we all took Duke here, correct? Correct. Over Iona. Correct. Easily. Um, Wasn't even a challenge. The other game that has happened already, well, two other games that have happened in the Midwest. Number one, Kansas defeats number 16, Pennsylvania Quakers. I got to admit, the Quakers actually got out to a lead, and they held it for a good portion of the first half. They played well. And then got smacked. And, well, for a while. Yeah. <laughs> Greg Vavernick, who's usually on the show, he should be back in a week or two. Um big Kansas fan. He picked them to win it all. The Quakers overall had a pretty impressive outing, but Kansas just too much. Yep. Too much. Too much. 
clean clean sweep for yeah, Kansas. I'm pretty, I'm sure, Devon, I'm pretty yeah. sure Devontae Graham had like 21 points in the first half. So it was just yeah, just too much. Now an update on this Texas Nevada game. The 10 seed Longhorns are tied with the number seven seed Nevada team, and Nevada went to the line down by one, split the pair. But Mo Bamba is out of the game with 1.6 seconds left. Nevada will keep a close eye on that. Nevada does have the basketball now. So let's see how that unfolds. The other game in the Midwest region, number 8 Seton Hall against number 9 NC State. Seton Hall came out on top. This is the game. I switched it last second. The thing about those games is that the 8 seed and the 9 seed are just a coin flip. Yeah, yeah. There's really no upset. There's there's no upset. There's just I picked Seton Hall. I know you picked NC State. We both had perfect brackets up until that game, and I think that I just I just chose Seton Hall because they were the eight over the nine. But there's really no way to tell. Now, like I just said, I I picked Seton Hall based on the seniors seniority. Yeah, Yeah. I time to win. Time to win. Now Seton Hall from New Jersey, LIU Post basketball, where we broadcast the show here on the LIU Post campus. They played Seton Hall this year, so. Um, wow. little, little fun factoid there for you. So I know we were split in this room. You had Seton Hall, Tommy. Mm-hmm. I had NC State. Jason had Seton Hall. Kyle, who'd Seton you have? Hall. You had Seton Hall. Yeah. So I'm ousted here 3-1. to one. That was my first loss of the day. So um, other than that, the Midwest region, games to be played tonight. Syracuse won their play-in game against Arizona State. They're the 11th seed. They'll take on number 6 TCU. The other two games yet to play in the Midwest region, 5-12, 5 Clemson out of the ACC will take on the number 12 New Mexico State team, who I actually have upsetting Clemson in round one. What do you think? Really? I have New Mexico State. Yeah, I think they would have been seated higher if they were in a better conference. I agree, Tom. I have New Mexico State as well. I have New Mexico State upsetting Clemson, 12-5. What about you guys? I have Clemson winning this game. I sure hope that Clemson wins this game because I, I have them the eight. So you have Clemson and you're elite eight. That's interesting. I have Clemson upsetting Kansas in the sixteen. Wow. So. Now that game will take place tonight, nine fifty-seven p.m. Eastern Daylight Time. It is now daylight time. We cannot say standard anymore. It is uh, incorrect. Other game in this region: number four Auburn against number thirteen Charleston. That game will tip off around 7.30 p.m. Who do you guys have in the 4-13 matchup? Auburn. Auburn. Yep. I picked Charleston. What? I picked Auburn, but to piggyback on Jason's point, two 13 seeds have advanced to the round of 32 so far. Four seeds are 1-2 so in the tournament. So it's not crazy. I think, I think Charleston is going to follow the footsteps of Buffalo and who's the other 13 that won. Uh, Marshall. That we'll would see. make me happy because we'll I have Auburn see. going a little further. I have <laughs> Auburn defeating Charleston and TCU Syracuse. Syracuse won their playing game against Arizona State. I have 11 seed Syracuse coming out and winning this game. Wow, I do too. So it's just when Syracuse is in, they they just compete. When they remember that one year they were a 10 yeah, seed and like, made the Final Four. Yep. Uh huh. I think that was, that I was think two years ago. I think Jim Beheim is so experienced. Syracuse is going to find a way. In my opinion. I have TCU. You have TCU. TCU. We have Syracuse. Me and Kyle have Syracuse. Jason and Tommy have TCU. There you go. Split. That's interesting. That'll close out the Midwest region. Um, as actually, before we do that, uh, the only confirmed game for the Midwest region in the round of 32 on Saturday will be the number two Duke Blue Devils against the number seven 
University of Rhode Island. That's going to be a fun game to watch. It's going to be a fun game. game. Rhode Island survived Oklahoma. I have Duke coming out of that game, but a very tightly contested game. Tommy has Rhode Island. Jason has Rhode Island as well. No, I have have Duke. You have Duke? I have a separate bracket where URI is winning it all. Kyle has Duke. So... Good to know that you picked the seven seed to win it all. Remember, seven seed South Carolina last year made the Final Four. little interesting fact there. Now, let's actually get to Texas's region, the South region. Texas and Nevada currently in overtime, just under three and a half minutes to go. 73-73 is the score. Let's go over the bracket. Uh, University of Virginia will play later tonight against UMBC, one sixteen seed. So we'll see how that game unfolds. I'm pretty sure we'll have a clean sweep in Virginia. Yes. yes. Even with uh, the of loss course. of their sixth man. Which I don't have is going, going far, huge. but I also have them losing to Arizona. So yeah. We'll get to that in just a couple of moments. I have that too. Creighton, Kansas State will start in just about 20 minutes. They'll start at 6.50. It is currently 6.35. Uh, the five-seed Kentucky hangs on against 12 Davidson. That was an entertaining game to watch. That was that was close. To, it was. That was too much for comfort. That was too close. But uh, I had Kentucky in that game. So I did too. Yep. Now, number four, Arizona. Number 13, Buffalo. This is where everyone's bracket got busted. Ba-boom. I had Arizona in my final four. I had them beating Kentucky and then beating the University of Virginia. Where did you guys have Arizona? We, I know we talked about it. Tommy, you had them in the, in the final, final four. four. I did. You had them. I had Arizona losing in the Elite Eight to Loyola. And you had them in the Sweet 16, Kyle. Yep. I had them losing to Virginia. So, realistically, that's the first win for the Buffalo Bulls in school history and in the NCAA tournament. They were Kyle's team of the week. So, yeah. Now, with that being said, that sets up a Kentucky-Buffalo matchup on Saturday. I think the um, celebration will be short-lived, and I think Kentucky will advance to the Sweet 16. (laughs) <laughs> Let's hope you're right. So we'll I'm going to my brother's house there. in uh, Connecticut tomorrow, who's a, a Buffalo alumni, and uh, I don't need to listen to him <laughs> winning. You know, have, have his team winning. So happy St. Patrick's Day to you, Tommy Mac. Oh, thank you. <laughs> you guys too. This upset that I think most of us in this room called—I know at least three of us called it—Loyola Chicago upsets Miami. What a game! What an eleven what? seed Loyola. What Chicago. an ending. That's oh the worst way God. to lose, First man. tournament win. That's the worst that way to lose. That one shot behind the three-point arc at the end of the game. Talk about ice in his veins. Yeah. Behind the three-point arc? That was up the logo. That was a... Far behind the three-point arc. Yes. It was a bomb. Incredible. And he nailed it. It was all net. And Ingram was the, uh, the kid's last name, and he nailed it. And, and he the, knew it, too. The uh, they, they showed the Miami coach on the sideline when he hit it. And I'm like, oh, I don't want to be that guy right now. Yep. Just the expression on his face was Auriemma. What was his name? Um, oh, I forget the coach's name. Uh, but that expression on his face was just like, oh god. Oh, we're talking about Miami's coach Jim Laranega. Laranega. Yeah, that's that's, yeah. He that's was the in worst pain. way to lose. Man. He yeah. was in pain. Look, I mean, it happens. Yeah, you know. You know that team. I I didn't pick them going further. Then uh, this round, I think they can get beat by Tennessee. Look, yeah, but that, that's going to be a team to be reckoned with, I think, just based on that game yesterday. Loyola, Chicago. Well, they shot the ball well behind the three-point arc. You're talking about Custer led Loyola in scoring, had 14 points, four for six behind the three-point arc. Ingram on that game, he had 13 points, three of eight behind the arc, mm-hmm. in addition to seven rebounds. So Loyola, Chicago had four players in double digits in that game. 
That's so, impressive. And they defeat Miami 64-62. Tennessee takes care of Wright State with ease, 73-47. to Probably the biggest blowout of the day. As Tennessee, look, veteran team, all based off of defense. I have Tennessee going far. And Tennessee, they spread the ball. They spread the ball really well. 11 players scored in that game for Tennessee, led by Turner, had 19 for them. And overall, Tennessee, clean sweep for Tennessee here. Yes. Uh, Yes. Yeah, I had Tennessee. I have Tennessee in my Elite Eight, which sets up the matchup now. Tennessee and Loyola Chicago in the round of 32 tomorrow on Saturday. So we'll see how that goes. Uh, before we get to Texas, Nevada, currently in progress, Cincinnati, Georgia State. I had Cincinnati. Cincinnati. Cincinnati, Cincinnati. defeats Georgia State. Uh, no uh, Ron Hunter, no um, falling off his chair this time. Huh. He was actually able to dance there you go. this time around. And Cincinnati, I have in my Sweet 16 losing to Tennessee. I so, have them beating Tennessee and going to the Elite Eight. As they beat Georgia State, Cincinnati did 68-53. That game took place a little bit earlier today before our show. And the score now between the final game in the South region, Nevada number 7 against number 10 Texas. Nevada currently leads Texas 83-80 with 38 seconds to go, up by 3. Texas just committed a foul. As far as my bracket goes, I'm needing Nevada to hang on because I have them going to Elite 8. As Shaka Smart... Shaka Smart trying to bring the Longhorns back, trying to have success with this team. I'm pulling for the Longhorns. Uh, Sophomore Andrew Jones diagnosed with leukemia. Oh, wow. So I'm, you know, I'm really pulling for Texas in this game, the emotional uh, pick there for me. I got a question for you, Tommy. Who do you have uh, have, uh, Nevada beating in the uh, Sweet 16 to get to the 8? I have Nevada beating Tennessee. Interesting. Oh, wow. Yeah. That should be interesting to see if it happens. Let's just hope they get out of this game. So Nevada currently up 84-80 to 80 as Travel? Texas oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. looks like the ball is on the floor. And Texas actually got it back and lost it. And no, it'll stay with Texas. We'll get back to that game in just a couple of moments. Uh, the West region, Xavier takes on Texas Southern a little later today. And another game, Missouri-Florida State later tonight. Ohio State took care of the Jackrabbits of South Dakota State yesterday. They beat them. I believe the final was 81-73. That was a rocky game. It was a a close game. And a lot of people picked the 12-5 upset with the Jackrabbits. I I had Ohio State winning. I had had Ohio State. As did I. I was was scared after the second half. I picked South Dakota. Unfortunately. Unfortunately. How far did you have them going? Just there. Oh, okay. That's that's not a big yeah. deal, then. Yeah. Another game, Gonzaga survives UNC Greenboro. That was another one. That one was four thirteen. The only was, four seed to survive oh, yeah. that yesterday. Scary. That was a scary game. Gonzaga, I believe they were trailing at one point in that yeah, game. Yeah, they were. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, Houston, San Diego State. A lot of people pick San Diego State in this game. I wasn't about it. I, I picked Houston as the sixth seed. Yep. Um, I actually have Houston in my Sweet 16 beating Michigan in the round of 32. But, uh, Jason, you had San Diego State in this game. I did. I think that 11 seeds have fared very well against the six seeds in recent years. Since uh, 2016, they've been 7-2 and two before this game. Wow. Nice stat. 
Yeah, that's a good one. Jason doing some research before the show. Kyle Russo. Uh, I had Houston winning this game and uh, they won. So, but I don't have him going uh, further than uh, Michigan. Mm-hmm. Tommy, I had Houston as well. Um, not for any particular reason. Uh, I just haven't watched either of those two teams play a single game. So based on my research, I went with Houston. Well, here's the the one thing about Houston. They were dominated in this game. Gray had 39 of the 67 points. It's career high. Yep. That is his career high. So over overall, a spectacular game for Houston, surviving 67 and 65. It's not about how much you win by. It's about surviving and advancing in this exactly. tournament. I'd rather win pretty... I win uh, ugly than lose pretty. Michigan takes care of Montana. Montana, they were hanging around for a little bit, but Michigan pulled it out last night, late last night, as the three beat the 14. University of North Carolina defeats Lipscomb with ease. The two beats the 15, and then Texas A&M and Providence. Uh, Texas A&M won. I don't think Texas A&M should have been seeded that high. I think they should have been on the 8 or the 9 line. And I think a lot of people pick Providence, and rightfully so. They made the Big East final. I had Providence. And they beat Xavier, a one seed in their region. Tommy's the only one that picked A&M. But I think majority of people picked Providence for good reason. They just couldn't pull it out late. I think Xavier actually lost to them twice during the regular season, one early in the year. But, yeah, I had Providence uh, winning this game. You know what? Um, I watched this game a little bit uh, this afternoon before I came, and Providence was in control of the game for a while there. They were. And, and yep. I, I obviously didn't see the end of it, but, you know, however that game ended, what was the final score of that game? Do we know? Which game? Uh, Texas A&M and Providence. The final score was uh, 73-69, Texas. Oh, see, it was close. Providence, actually, they hit a couple of shots late, but it, it was – too too late to come back for them. Too little, too late. Yep, too little, too late was the reference I was looking for. Thanks, Tommy. Uh, and then we'll get to the east, the east region. Uh, Villanova destroys Radford. Radford won their play-in game against LIU Brooklyn. And Villanova advances to the round of 32. Also, they will play Alabama, who beat Virginia Tech last night. And I was a little bit surprised that Virginia Tech did not pull that one out. I don't know about you guys. Tommy had Alabama. Jason had Tech. You had Tech. Kyle. I had Alabama. You had Alabama. So two to two here. Uh, the nine seed beats the eight. Once again, Alabama. Just a flip. Yeah, Alabama will play Villanova on Saturday. Good luck. I picked Alabama based on their young talent. Colin Sexton. Colin Sexton. He's a phenomenal player. He's excellent. The team yeah. hasn't played very well this year, but. Like I said, like I haven't, I'm not going to sit here and tell you guys I watch a lot of college basketball, but I did a little research before I filled out my bracket, and this Alabama team is filled with young talent mm-hmm. that if they get it together, they can do do some damage. Well, you know, if you look at Villanova last year, they lost as a one seed in the round of 32 to the eight seed Wisconsin. Yeah. Alabama and nine, look, you never know. I mean, Alabama right. came into the tournament with just a 19-15 and 15 record. But they had enough on their resume to get in as an at-large. West Virginia, Murray State, 
pretty sure West Virginia, if that game is not final yet, they yeah, are game, in control. That game is over. West Virginia is final. Do we have a final there, Jason? 85-68 to 68 in favor of West Virginia. West I, Virginia, a lot of good players. Remember, West Virginia made the Sweet 16 last year under coach Bob Huggins. I picked Murray State. And I had the Murray State upsta- yeah. upset. Yeah. I had West Virginia. I had West Virginia. I had Murray State. I did have Murray State. Uh, it was a close game. Like I was I was watching the update as I was uh, sitting behind the board here, but it was like seven points, six points, and then 17. As West Virginia pulls away, and the Wichita State Shockers were shocked earlier by Marshall, their first ever NCAA tournament win. Yeah, I had a... Uh... I had Wichita State going uh, to the uh, Sweet 16 playing Same. Villanova. Yeah, yeah. Wichita State. I mean, w- what happened? They must have just took Marshall for granted, you know, thinking they just it's a layup for them. Mar- Marshall was playing a good game, and look, Connor Frankamp went all out. He had 27 points. He was hot behind the three point arc, the redshirt senior. But again, just too much right there. If you are Wichita State, Marshall unable to do it. And in overtime, this one, now final, Nevada beats Texas 87-83. So Texas has been eliminated from the tournament. A surprise. Texas was favored to win this game. It's a lot of upsets this year, Tom. It's a lot. And I'm going to be honest with you, Texas was the lower seed, but I view Nevada over Texas as an upset. Yeah. I really do. Texas out of the Big 12, Mo Bamba, Dylan Osikowski, two really good frontcourt bigs. Mo Bamba actually... Projected to go top 10 in the draft. Yeah. Uh, but that will do it for that game as Nevada advances. The Me, Jason, and Kyle had Texas. Tommy had Nevada. Oh, I had Nevada going a long ways. Keep it up, fellas. As Nevada, good luck moving forward. They'll have to deal with the Bearcats of Cincinnati. That's not going to be an easy matchup for them. That'll be on Sunday. And to wrap up, the East region... Florida took care of St. Bonaventure. St. Bonaventure beat the experienced UCLA team to get to the round of 32. Florida took care of them last night. That surprised me. Florida has been very good in the NCAA tournament. For me, it really wasn't a surprise. Florida, an experienced team. I had them winning. Who had the Bonnies here? I had the Bonnies going to the uh, round of 16. Wow. That's a gutsy call. Florida's just always that team in in the tournament that's just always there. They're just always a team that's going to compete, and they're just always a team that's good. I, I rarely go against them. I had Florida winning this game, but no further. I, I believe that they're going to lose to Texas Tech. I have Florida in the Sweet 16. I think they're going to beat Tech and play Purdue. Uh, you know, Chris Chioza, the senior, he's been playing well. Uh, had 11 assists last night, and I don't know. Kulikov off the bench as well. I mean, he's been playing well. So we'll see what happens. Where do you guys have Florida? I have them winning, you know, against St. Round the, round the 32. Oh, that's it. They're I done. have them in the Sweet 16. Texas Tech had some trouble last night against Stephen F. Austin. No surprise. Yeah. Uh, uh, look, the Lumberjacks, they're a good team. Yeah, but I don't have them going further than the uh, 32. Yeah. I have Texas Tech beating them, so... So Florida and Texas Tech, they will play tomorrow. Number 10, Butler, beats number 7, Arkansas. I had Butler. I had I, Butler. I had Butler. All right. Clean sweep. Clean sweep. Is that really an upset? No. No. That's not an upset. Purdue takes care of their matchup against CSU Fullerton. And Purdue, Jason, they're actually your pick to win the tournament. 
I wish I could change it now that Haas is uh, Isaac Haas. Yeah, he's got he's broken elbow, fractured elbow. Yikes! That's huge. The seven footer, seven foot two. That's not good news broken. if you're the Purdue Boilermakers. Yeah. Not at all. Jesus he's had that elbow uh, bothering him for a while, and then he just landed on it funny and oh. fractured. Yeah. I, I don't think it'll affect their road. I mean, they have to play Villanova. That'll hurt if they make it to the Elite Eight. I have them in the eight against Villanova. Same. I have them in the 16, not eight. I have Texas Tech in the eight. Really? Mm-hmm. Now, that's actually all the games we've had so far. But at this time... Um, we're going to go around the horn here, and we're going to pick the first one seed to lose in this tournament. Now, the number one overall seed in the tournament, University of Virginia, representing the South region. You have the Xavier Musketeers out of the Big East in the West. Two Big East teams land number one seeds. Villanova out of the East, they won the Big East tournament. And in the Midwest, the number one Kansas Jayhawks. Guys, first one seed to lose in the tournament. Xavier. I think that they lose to uh, Gonzaga in the Sweet 16. I had that, too. Agreed. Agreed. Although, sweep. I also had Kansas losing in the Sweet 16, too, to Clemson, but I'm not sure I like the Eddies anymore. Wow, that was a clean sweep. That was yeah, surprising. That was quick. <laughs> yeah. I'm not surprised. Now, guys, we all have a Final Four. Let's break this down here updated this does not have to be first give your original bracket final four and now an updated final four i'll go first my original final four i only had one one seed making it and that was the villanova wildcats i had them getting in i had michigan state the spartans representing the midwest region um and i had the tar heels of north carolina beating Gonzaga in the Elite Eight to advance to the Final Four. And then I had Arizona. And then from there, I had the two-seed Tar Heels beating the four-seed Wildcats of Arizona. So I had UNC, and I had Michigan State beating Villanova. So my national championship game still stands. Can't say the same for everybody. Uh, Michigan State and UNC, and I have Michigan State beating UNC in San Antonio. I have in my final four, I got Virginia, Gonzaga, Villanova, and Duke. I have Duke beating Villanova. I have Virginia beating Gonzaga, and I have Duke beating Virginia in the tournament. ACC final. Yeah. Look at you. You think uh, Grayson Allen can lead those freshmen, Gary Trent, Marvin Bagley, Duval? I think that they probably have one of the hardest trips considering they got to play Michigan State and Kansas. When I look at the Michigan State matchup, it's just too much offense for, I think, Michigan State to handle. And don't sleep on Rhode Island. No. An upperclassman team, a lot of seniors. Good guard I plan. have Duke to advance in that game, but don't be surprised if Rhode Island pulls it off tomorrow. Absolutely. Uh, actually, guys, only one game currently underway. It's Kansas State against the Creighton Blue Jays and Junior Dean Wade in the front court will play for Kansas State. That is huge. Dean Wade, a good contributor for the Kansas State front court. Uh, final four, Tommy, you're up. Yep. So you and I agree, Tom. I have Villanova and Michigan State um, from the east and the Midwest. And I had Arizona from the south. And I actually have Gonzaga coming out of the west. I have I had uh, Gonzaga beating Arizona. To be the um, one of the teams, and I have Michigan State 
beating Villanova with Michigan State being the national champ. Wow. And that that would be a hard team, I mean, a hard thing for Michigan State to do. But based on their coaching and the team, obviously, I think they can do it. But just the scrutiny that the program has been under this season, if they do it, that's going to be a tribute and you know, to the coach and the players because they, all the nonsense that's been going on this season, I, don't know, I, I think they're going to be the team to beat. Yeah, agreed. But I do have URI beating Duke. Wow. And then losing to Michigan State. <laughs> wow. Look at you. Beat Duke, lose well, to Michigan. Well, if you remember, what, a couple weeks ago, I think I have it you written down. You called URI. You I, called I, them. I said URI is a Final Four team. I took Thompson, that back. Thompson, Wichita State. Quick right. update here. Number Ooh, nine, Kansas State yeah. leads. Number eight, Creighton, 7 nothing. I had Kansas State in this game. Kansas State won? No, I have Kansas State oh, to win this okay. game. They're out to a 7 nothing lead over Creighton. All right. Um, wow. Jason, you're up. <laughs> My final, final four, uh, I have UNC and out of the West. From the Midwest, I got the uh, Duke Blue Devils. Another um, good pick. From the East, I have the uh, Boilermakers from Purdue. Another good pick. And uh, not a good pick, but <laughs> my last pick for from the South is Loyola, Chicago. That is gutsy. Wild. Wild. Wow. I mean, it's been done before. Gutsy. That's crazy. I, actually, I had Arizona beating UVA, and then I had Loyola beating Arizona. Mm. So I don't know how likely that is anymore now that that's not, gonna, not a possibility. Mm-hmm. But I, I still think that if Loyola can roll over Tennessee and Cincinnati, then I don't think UVA is going to be much of a challenge. And I have Purdue over UNC in the final. Wow. So with those four final fours, Kyle and Jason, both your final fours are still intact. Yes. Jason's um, is totally different from anyone else. I have, yeah. I have no that number ones. Awesome. I have no number ones. That's awesome. Now – would either of you like to update your final fours at this time? Would anybody like to update? Well, you you have me and you have to because Arizona's out. Oh, well. I think if anything, uh, in the East, it only makes it easier for Villanova considering they don't have to play Wichita State. And Purdue losing without Isaac Haas. Haas is huge. I mean, the final four should be easy for them to can get I, there. Can I say one thing? Don't sleep on the Gators. Do not sleep on the Gators. Too they late. might be the second or third best team remaining in that region. Yep. I had the Gators losing first round. Now, to the Bonnies. My updated final four, I'm just replacing Virginia with Arizona. I'm re- I'm replacing Arizona with Virginia. So my updated final four, Virginia, UNC, Michigan, Nova. Tommy, your updated final four. I replace Arizona with Nevada. Why mm-hmm. not? I had them going to um, the eight, you know, to the uh, Elite Eight, so mm-hmm. I'll have them just replace Again, Arizona. this Arizona-Virginia game was honestly a coin flip for me. Yep. Uh, look, and I saw that Virginia's sixth man was out for the tournament, so that's why I decided to go Arizona over them, only for that reason. I was going to pick Virginia if they were at full strength, but look, Kyle Guy is a really good player. He's, he's on, And he's only a sophomore. Yep. I like him a lot. And look, you lost a lot of players recently. Nolte graduated... London Parenthes, Joe Harris, and they still, they stay experienced, and they compete, and they play defense. It's not even offense, just like you said, Thomas, defense. I don't think that... They only give up 50 points a game. I don't, yeah, nobody's, nobody's scored over That's 70 incredible. points against them this season. Man. Nobody's right. scored over 70 against them. So, 
uh, those are our updated final fours. And on the women's side, you have UConn, who's won four of the last five national championships. The women's basketball tournament begins today. Just just bet on UConn. Yeah, this, right. this is really, basically. If I could say anything about that, yeah. Yeah. You'd be silly not to. Well, UConn <laughs> did not win it last year. Right. Uh, South, that was a great game. South Carolina. Carolina. South Carolina. Yeah. So with two minutes left in the show, guys, Everyone's bracket is essentially busted at this point, maybe except for Kyle's. Uh, as Jason's. Mine's still, mine's still J- intact. J- Jason's as well. As of right now, Doesn't I've got to say, I've guessed six games wrong so far, which is not bad considering the upsets that have happened with Arizona going down and Wichita State. The four seeds have not fared well, which is why I'm genuinely concerned for Auburn later tonight. And I'm also concerned... I don't know. I'm really, really concerned for the Xavier Musketeers, especially regardless of who comes out of that Ohio State-Gonzaga game. That's yep. going to be a very competitive game tomorrow. Don't sleep on the Buckeyes well, advancing I think, as well. Uh, depending if uh, Missouri beats Florida State, I really want to get a better look at Michael Porter Jr., especially because he's going to be a top oh, yeah. pick in this draft. Absolutely. To see him go further in the tournament and especially play against a program like Xavier would be huge and very entertaining. Guys, the final minute of the show, I'd like to thank all the listeners for tuning in tonight, all our viewers on Facebook Live, and all of our soon-to-be listeners on our very first podcast. You can listen to that on iTunes and Google Play. It'll be up. I'll be working on that after the show tonight so that we can get that up and rolling. And we'll play an outro, Ben, here to send this out. Guys, any final thoughts? Uh, for me... I'm hoping my final three teams on my uh, bracket holds up. Yeah. Kyle? Go Blue Devils. All right. Jason? Boilermakers. Around the horn. Let's go, Spartans. <laughs> All right, folks. Good yeah. night from the LIU Post Campus. You've been listening to Review and Preview on WCWPSports.org. Irish got robbed. <laughs>